Hi, welcome back. Uh, this is Shelly, and I just wanted to say how thankful I am that you are back and you are joining me. Um, I know that it's been a little while, and I'm really sorry. Um, that's totally all on me that I've neglected to bring you a new message. My life has been kind of crazy since this whole quarantine thing, the whole um, family dynamic, the kids being at home, um, working at the church. Um, so please forgive me. I will promise to do better. Um, but as for today goes, I hope that this message finds you wherever you are and shows you a little bit of the love of Jesus today and what he's been putting on my heart. Um, I've been feeling for the past few days that we need to acknowledge the glory that Jesus is constantly pursuing us. Not just that we are pursuing him, but he is constantly after your heart. Just like the flowers will pursue the sun in order to grow, um, they'll pursue the water through their roots um, to grow. He's pursuing us. It's how our hearts pursue love. It's how um, we're constantly pursuing these things for as long as we live here on earth. No matter how far removed we are from his hands, he still continues to come after us. You may be in this deep relationship with him where you are dedicated in your praying life. Uh, you are church going, you're Bible reading, worship singing, you are selflessly serving, and he is fulfilling his purposes within your life. And if this is you today, if this is where you are, then praise Jesus. But sometimes that is not always what our relationships with Jesus look like. Maybe you're in the lowest place in your relationship with him. It's like you believe in Jesus, but you also doubt him because you have these fears because um, your financial situation might not be what you wish it would be, that you have shame from your past. Um, whether it be the actions that you took or the actions that were taken against you. Sometimes it's um, you doubt in him because of the relationships that you are in right now. They may be really toxic or you know that they're wrong, but you just choose not to leave. So you feel like you're betraying him. Um, it may be addiction. It may be mental or physical illness that's causing this wedge in between you and your savior. But what if it's that you don't believe in Jesus at all? If you don't believe in Jesus and um, you're on the fence, please find someone to talk to. There is someone who can speak to your heart and understand your story, whether it be they personally have been in a similar place as you or that they know someone who has been in a personal place um, that you're experiencing right now. And I know um, me personally, I would be honored to talk to any of you and help in any way that I can. Um, but I can't help you if I don't know who you are. And I can't find someone to help you if I don't know who you are. Um, I will be praying that your heart's touched today. And I know that you're out there because I was out there once too. For me, um, I was 18 and I was in a really terrible situation. Um, and I went to the pastor of a church, and instead of being received with this grace and love and direction that I thought Jesus was about, I was greeted with 
um, a face of man that screamed disgust and disappointment and judgment and spewed hate all over the situation that I was in. Um, he sent me away um, along with this reminder of how others would react when they found out what I had done. Needless to say, I never went back to that church. And in my mind, my juvenile mind, I felt like these people represented God. And I wrote them and the organized church office, this group of judgmental, hateful people. And I cursed God for lying about um, him being there for me because he, he simply wasn't there for me. And I hated him because he said that he would love me no matter what. And that's not the feeling that I got. Um, I thought that there would never be um, this forgiveness for me, either here on earth or in heaven with God. So I went another 10 years without stepping foot in another church after that. I came home and I tried to um, define who I was um, in all of the wrong places. I tried um, to find friends who um, didn't have a standard of um, greatness to stand on so that um, I wouldn't feel judgment and more shame because who were they to judge me? They were terrible um, for the most part anyways. Um, as if I wasn't scared and full of hate for myself already, the person who was in the situation with me um, gave me an extra dose of that shame and um, paired it with abandonment and a lack of responsibility for the part that they had played in this mess that was now the life that I was living. And I was swallowed by it because I, I truly thought that God was done with me. What I didn't know, but I know now, is that God does not need representation, y'all. He is God. The pastor wasn't representing God, and neither was this other person. They were both representing human nature. So let's be clear. I wasn't going to meet God one day and him put me in front of a jury of my peers. Their judgment was from this flawed human perspective that meant nothing in regard to God's love for me and the forgiveness that he was handing me. I didn't have a bad God experience. I had a bad people experience. My perception was off. The experience was absolutely not a true representation of who God was. It was a representation of how flawed people are. So I guess um, the main point let's try to bring home at this second is that no matter what mountain you're standing on or what ditch you're lying in, he meets you there. People may disappoint you. Their perception of you may be hurtful, but it is not representative of what God's perception is. God knows that he is meeting you at the doctor's office when you're going to get results saying you're not going to be able to conceive the child that you've always dreamed of or that your cancer is back. Or he's beating you in the back of a cop car um, with the lights blaring, wreckage of mangled cars, you smelling like a brewery. He knows that he is meeting you at the funeral home of someone you loved so dearly. And all you want to do is go smoke a cigarette. You quit in October. 
He knows all of these things. But what you have to let him do is forgive you and meet you and hold you and love you. You have to let him meet you where you are. So it takes all of the shame, all of the regret, all of that away. What you do after God comes to you in the ditches of your life is what matters. Do you turn to him or do you turn away? Do you go to the gas station and buy that pack of cigarettes? Do you go to the bar and drink another cold beer after you got out of jail getting a DUI? What do you do? As long as you are strong and in the waiting and choosing to transform, you're turning from your old responses. God knows that you are meeting him where he met you. Are you becoming a better person, a more godly, loving person? He comes to you, but you have a job to do once he does. Public service announcement, I hope you are listening. When you sin, Jesus already knows you sin. Trying to run away from God when you do something simple or hurtful is simply insanity. It's pointless. He saw you do it. He heard you do it. He felt you do it. He knew you were going to do it before you did it. It's like when Eve ate the apple from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What did they do? They tried to hide their nakedness and their sin from God. He sees, feels, hears, knows, and is everything. You cannot hide. Instead of running from him, we have to learn to run to him like he does to us every single day. We fall at his feet and we give it to him. This is not only going to show him that we know that we, we've sinned, but that we accept the responsibility and we are consciously trying to do a better job. Because we love him. It's out of respect for him and appreciation for his unwavering love that we lean into him instead of leaning away. Even after I slammed the door in his face, he continued daily to dart in and out of my life to let me know that he was still there. I would have never admitted it before I came to God, though, because I thought, you know, oh, I'm this really, really strong woman. Uh, hear me roar. I can do it all by myself. Yeah, you know, it, it's just simply not true. That's all garbage. Um, God is the reason that I made it through. But I am so very thankful now that I'm alive because he was with me in some catastrophic situations of my own design that I never should have made it through. He was there through the heartbreaking moments like losing my aunt and my dad. He was also there for some of life's greatest gift, like finding my husband, um, having our beautiful children, our awesome family, um, the health of our family, and this amazing church and the family that we have there now. None of that was possible um, by myself or by my own volition. He did that. I didn't do that. So no matter what stage that we're in at life, God is meeting us there. He's gone before us. And he is beside us in everything. And he is going to meet us wherever we are every moment of every day to take us in the right direction if we just let him. That's an awesome, awesome thing if, um, 
if you can wrap your mind around that. Um, it's just incredible and um, relieving to know that he is doing all of this with us, hand in hand. Even though God is with us every moment and meets us everywhere we are, I warn you, no matter what stage you're in, Satan is always there and he is always after you. Whether we're believers or we don't believe, he puts these thoughts in our head that make us think we aren't worthy of Jesus's love. The cracks in our armor must be filled with the love and the faith of God or Satan will attempt to creep through them. Y'all know about the Samaritan woman, I'm sure. She thought that she was unworthy because she had had multiple husbands. Um, she was um, just not a very upstanding representation of what um, God wanted for her at the time. She was so full of shame. She wouldn't even collect water at the same time as the other women. She feared that they um, would be disgusted with their lifestyle. They looked at her and they probably talked about her. Um, is everybody getting a little hot in here? I'm sure um, at least you have been in that situation once or twice in your life, um, unless you're perfect, of course. Um, in the story of the Samaritan woman, though, um, in John, Jesus sits at the well after this super long day of traveling, and it's like he's waiting for someone to offer him some water in this little town. Um, and normally a Jew would never talk to a Samaritan, much less a woman. So I bet she thought that she was safe from having a conversation with him. But in his sovereignty, he told her that he knew she was at the well alone because she was ashamed to fetch water with the other women. The Samaritan woman had been divorced multiple times. And Jesus told her that he knew that she was still living in sin with another man at the time that she wasn't even married to. She was terrified that they would judge her and that he was judging her at that very moment. But y'all, he did the opposite. She was so blown away that he did not treat her like the garbage that everyone else told her she was so many times that she thought that she was garbage that she ran back to the people in her town screaming, oh my gosh, I met the Messiah. She went and told everyone that she had met the one who knew everything about her and that he was going to save her soul even though um, she wasn't a Jew. He was offering her living water, salvation, hope, letting go of the shame, the judgment. He stopped in this town, not for someone and some random town to offer him water. He stopped for her. He knew she would be there and he knew that she mattered, just like he knows that you matter. Y'all, I was so thirsty and praised Jesus he stopped for me. He found me when I needed water and gave me something to drink. She met the Messiah, and y'all, I have met him too. Her fellow villagers came to meet him, and many, many of them were saved. Never in a million years did she think that she would have this experience. For those of you who 
don't think that they can have this experience of hope and love and salvation and to find your worth, you can. His name's Jesus. I don't know how many of you love um, old things, but I think of it as um, when you love old things, you love the story that they had, but you want to sand them down. You want to redo them. You want to stain them. You want to um, restore them in order to use them um, as a new thing. If it were a piece of furniture, most people would say, oh, it's worn out. It's seen better days. It's garbage. It's junk. But God looks at us and he says, we are worth more than we could ever possibly imagine. Our value is priceless. He chips away at the old paint and the pieces and he restores us like an antique dealer would restore furniture because he knows what it's worth. Y'all, you don't restore things that are worthless. That would be crazy and pointless. He tells us that we are worthy and we are loved. And in order for us to live in him and him in us, we have to go out. We have to show this love and this restoration and the transformation that he is caused in our hearts to others. Whether you agree with their opinions or actions or not makes no difference because you have to become a representation of Jesus, not a representation of people. You treat people like Jesus would treat people, just like Jesus did in Samaria with the woman at the well. He met her where she was so that she could repent for her actions and she could see his love for her and to see that she had worth whether you share common values or beliefs or not, he meets you where you are. My question to you is, when was the last time you truly talked to somebody about Jesus who you knew was in a different corner simply because you were worried about what they would think about you? If we were transforming and becoming more like Jesus, our question would be a little different. It would be more like, when was the last time I talked to someone about Jesus because I was worried about their soul? We have to begin working on strengthening our relationships with the ones that we love, with our family, and with our community. When we do this, and we do it truly, we truly care for one another, not some fake attempt at care but like actually care for one another no matter where they're from east knoxville vessel halls africa england i don't care where it's at no matter where they are all corners of the earth when we let them know that they are loved and they are forgiven no matter where they are they're put into god's hands all their shame is gone all their hurt is gone. Let's burn down the shame shed, y'all. It's, it's been way too long. This building has been standing for too long, and it is time to burn it down. The second part of this is when Jesus meets us, 
it's time for us to step up. No matter what trash we're stepping in, it's our responsibility to be obedient. Our job, once he has met us where we are in our ditch, is to get up out of that ditch and do what he asks of us. This is not just a one-way street, y'all. He doesn't just give his son's life for hours. We say thanks and then go back to the way we were living before. Once you accept Jesus into your heart, we have to change our heart and life to fit what Jesus stands for. For in love, we do all things in dedication to show people who Jesus is. John fourteen fifteen says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, not just the ones you agree with, but every one of them. And that we don't go back and we don't conform to the evil desires that we had before we knew Jesus, like in First Peter. This means out of love, he searched us out, met us where we were. Our love of Jesus saved us. And out of love and respect for our Heavenly Father, we will do our job. He knows we aren't perfect and he doesn't expect it. He knows that that's unattainable. Y'all, it's just not possible. But what he does expect us to do is to be who he created us to be. That is people who love one another and how to treat one another in respect and compassion. We are to take on Jesus's heart to show all the people in all corners of the earth, even those we don't agree with, the fruit that he is building and growing in our spirit so that they can see him in us. There are no boundaries to the love and no locations that he, that he can't reach. We have to go out and we have to do what he has done for us. All love, all grace, all hope, all mercy, no judgment. He didn't judge you and he's not gonna he's he's not going to judge them. We have to go and tell them how great that news is. In closing, I would like to pray us out. Um as we go into the day, I hope that you can take some of this with you and go and find those who need his love, whether they believe whether they don't believe, give them a reason to believe today, no matter where they are. Dear Lord, we come before you today so thankful for you coming to meet us where we are, no matter how far we may be away from you. I pray that each of us has come to a realization that you know everything about us, that nothing is a surprise, and that if we lay these things at your feet, asking for forgiveness, that they are forgiven. We can be made whole again, and we can begin to bear fruit. We make a solemn vow to go out and meet our families and our friends where they are, to meet our communities where they are, and to show them the love of Jesus. Give us the strength and the words to do so. I know sometimes this is really hard it makes us really nervous, and we don't know that we'll have the words, but we know that you and only you can give us the words to do your work. Give us the patience and the grace to deal with opposition when it comes up. Lord, we thank you that you see our worth and our value, restoring us to perfection, even when we are totally blind to our worth. 
this week, I hope that you have the courage to let God meet you where you are, to go out and meet your family and your friends where they are. Jesus, we praise you for the gift of mercy and grace and love and your sovereignty over our lives. We thank you for the provision over our needs and this beautiful life that you have arranged specifically for us. In his holy, holy name, I pray. Amen. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode and I can't wait to be back with you again. I promise it won't be as long next time. Sending love and prayers with you until the next time.